It is Thursday. Happy Cinco de Mayo. This is Jaguar's Happy Hour. And now, a woman who's willing to be a sideline reporter at your football game, <laughs> or wedding, or birthday, or arraignment hearing, Ashlyn Sullivan. Is it so bad that I work hard and ask for opportunities and now everyone wants to give me crap about it? I like it. Thank you, Jeff. It's going to get me somewhere someday. Hey, look, uh, the more reps you can get, Schlin, then uh, you're a perfect example of take every opportunity you can get. Even weddings. So, yes, you can call me. Thank you, Joe. Welcome to Jack Did I I hear an arraignment hearing in there, too? Like, give me a break. (laughs) That might be one of your best, Joe. I got to say. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. All right. High praise. Don't give him any more ammo. He loves this. Oh. Especially when I'm hosting. He likes to be talked about. He says it brings me a humble nature. That's good. That's good. He loves to bring me down, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Welcome into Jaguars Happy Hour 1010XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. JP Shatter told me to say all of these things that Happy Hour is on. JP is on a very much well-earned vacation. He has earned it after draft coverage. And, Jeff, we have a lot to talk about today. We do. It was, uh, what, uh, one week ago today that the draft was kicked off, and uh, Trevon Walker was the first overall pick of the draft. So it's uh, an exciting – always – the draft always represents hope. really does. And uh, and for a franchise that has had difficulty, as this franchise has – it, th- this is the time of year that you like to have hope restored because you have all these prospects coming in, and that's the beauty of the draft. For years, it was the only thing that teams had to look forward to <laughs> to improving with. I You're mean, can so you imagine right. that, not having free agency? Like back in the day, there used to be no free agency, and so the draft represented the only hope at getting better. Yeah, the Jaguars certainly need free agency, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And that leads us to what's coming up on Jaguars Happy Hour. It's a draft recap, five out of seven draft picks on the defensive side. So we'll talk all about that and what this defense is going to look like. Moving over to offense, Cam Robinson got a contract extension this week. What does that mean for the offensive line and how good do we feel about it? Outside linebacker coach Bill Shuey will be joining us here in the studio in a matter of minutes. Going to talk to him a lot about that number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, that's for sure. Breaking news again this week. The Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars will be playing in London Halloween weekend this season. Very cool matchup between Russell Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. And finally, we go around the NFL. And let's go back to recapping the NFL draft. Five out of seven players drafted on defense like we said and a very happy Mike Codwell this week that's for sure defensive coordinator and coach Peterson said yeah this 3-4 it's going to be fun to scheme against when I scheme defense you know the 3-4 becomes a little bit of a challenge to to go up against it becomes a little harder to run the football it becomes some protection issues and and so for me that's as the head coach that's what I want on defense I want complexity I want Complexity, but at the same time, it's simple for the players to learn, if, if that makes sense. Um, and so I wanted, I wanted that for our defense and, and guys that um, have had success. I mean, he just came off of a world championship in Tampa, and he's, he's seen it at a high level. He's worked under some really good coordinators, Todd Bowles, Jim Johnson. He played for a Jim, the late Jim Johnson and, and guys like that. So, you know, for me, it was an, an easy – an easy plug and play with Mike to come in and, and start that process. That was head coach Doug Peterson on this defense and what it'll look like as they start to scheme now that they have the personnel set in place. Five additions on the draft on defense. Mike Caldwell was a, a giddy man going down the hallway as huh. he should be. 
Well, I, I think it's interesting in that uh, sometimes I think we all can get a little ahead of it sometimes. Uh, so sometimes you got to kind of slow down and say, okay, what can they do? Because they did add a lot of different pieces in the draft with Travon Walker and Devin Lloyd, Chad Mumo, and then those three guys on defense out of the first uh, four picks that they had. And the, these guys are expected to be starters mm-hmm. in some capacity. Uh, Luke Fortner and, and uh, Connor on offense expected to be contributors on offense, maybe in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But but obviously when you have three out of the top four picks on the defensive side of the ball and you uh, didn't expend a ton of resources in free agency on that side of the ball, this is where the improvement is expected from. And, and Coach Peterson talked about complexity and trying to be multiple and do different things on defense, and that's great. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think, what you would like to be down the road because at first you need to do a couple things. One, you need to install a completely new defense. So you, you can't get overly complex. And then you need to find out, most importantly, what these two uh, players do best. And you're not going to find that out. I mean, you got a pretty good idea from watching them on college film. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, once you get to the National Football League level, because it's a different game, you actually have to see them do it right. before you can trust it as a coach, before you say, okay, we can put him in possession in position X to do X because we've seen him do that. And so that's, I think, going to take some time. And uh, with young players, sometimes you get there, sometimes you don't. And so I think it's going to be an interesting process because it's always a process when you're talking about the young players being inserted into the lineup. Yeah, and, and a plan is great, but we always hear, hey, we have to execute that plan. And we'll ask Bill Shuey, this outside linebackers coach, but all the talk is, okay, Trayvon Walker so versatile, that's so great in college, but now you want to get him good at one position. And everyone's asking, okay, well, what's that position going to be? Right. What's that fit? Well, and, and I, it was interesting to me watching all the, the pressers after the pick mm-hmm. and then the, the press conference when Trayvon Walker was introduced to Jacksonville and you had mm-hmm. – Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson up there at the at the podium with them, and so you're you're listening. You're trying to 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 search for key words of what they say. You know, is he going to be in a two point stance? Is he going to have his hand in the ground? Is he going to be a defensive end? Is he going to be an outside linebacker? And it was interesting in that I thought that I heard Trent say, you know, two point stance. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I heard Trevon Walker asked about what he thinks he does best and he said five technique okay well five technique is in a three-point stance and that's not a two-point stance so I think it's going to be interesting to see where home is going to be for him I think he can be very good at a lot of different positions and is he a a lot of people say well why do you want somebody who may take time to develop well the reality is is that you're looking and projecting a player, no matter what you do, whether the player is considered safe or not, mm-hmm. you're, you're projecting everything. You're, you're trying to figure out where he's going to be and what he can be. And with Walker, I don't think it's any different. Now, early on, I think you're going to want to make sure that you get him comfortable in one position. And then once he gets comfortable in one position, then, then you say, okay, let's open up some more things for him to do because we know that he can do it because he did it at Georgia. Right, and everyone's saying – do you feel as though, like, yes, he can do all of these things, but say he, we try him at that one position and he's really good at it, do you just leave him there and don't bother with it? Well, you can, but, I mean, first of all, the, the one thing I will say, Ashlyn, about the picks, and especially Trevon Walker and, and Lloyd, these two guys are, 
are top-end individuals. There's no arguing that. That's not a debate. We can debate where they should have been picked yeah. and how good they're going to be and how good they were at their prospective colleges, but the reality is these are A-plus people. And so you always have a chance when you have A-plus people, and that's the most important thing. Good families, good background, and now that you bring somebody in, okay, let's get them comfortable, and then the more hardworking, the more dedicated they are, the better the person is, I think the more complexities or the more things you can ask them to do mm -hmm. because they're dedicated to their craft, and I think that's – Something that's been a little bit different than we've seen here in the past. You are and, wrong. And, I, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I mean, in, <laughs> under previous years, we have seen some players that have come in here that have probably not been properly vetted. Yeah. And when you're picking somebody with uh, of that magnitude, when I say the magnitude, when you're picking somebody high, you want to make sure that they're a num number one quality people first. And, uh, and, I, and I think that Trent Baalke put a premium, Doug Peterson put a premium on this mm -hmm. in this draft because from everything that I have read, everything that I have heard, these are top-end individuals. Yes, we had them in the building Friday and Saturday, and, and they were fantastic. So easy to work with. Their families were great. So, yeah, that's always – they're always great because they're so excited. But you definitely can sense what a person's like that first day, and, and they were both so awesome. And you mentioned Devin Lloyd. Trent Balky on Sirius XM Radio explained why they traded up to get that Devin Lloyd. Uh, Devin was was way up on our board. We, we felt he was one of the top 15 players in the draft. And, uh, you know, we were having a little bit of trouble getting back in. But uh, I can't remember. I think what, at pick 23 is when we decided. Actually, it was 22, I believe, when Quay Walker went off the board. We just didn't feel that uh, Devin was going to make it to 33. And we felt if we needed to get back in, if, if we didn't get back in, we were going to have to go another direction. Really didn't want to go another direction. So did what we could to, to get up in there. Trent Baalke told us in his post-draft presser that they were a little worried about the New England Patriots with the 21st pick. And once Lloyd got past that, all it took was just looking at Doug Peterson and Doug said, yeah, let's do it. I love that. You bring up the Patriots, and then what did the Patriots do? They drafted a, a guard from some small school, and everybody's and like, Devin Lloyd. what did they do? <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's uh, why Trent said, let's go, hurry up. Yeah, so, uh, so I, look, I, I really like the selection of Lloyd. Uh, when you watch the film on him, he can do anything that any linebacker can do. He can uh, be a run stuffer. He can be an athletic blitzer. He can cover. He can run sideline to sideline. He's got great energy. And I think the best thing that I like about him is his leadership. Mm -hmm. When you listen to him talk, you just listen. Yeah. And you, and you, you kind of gravitate towards him. And those are the kind of people that you want. You, those are the kind of people that you want in front of the huddle, which linebackers are in front of the huddle. So, from that aspect, I, and what he what meant to the to, to the program of Utah this past oh, year yeah. with some of the things that Incredible they went story. through, uh, it is pretty amazing. And so kudos to him as an individual and looking forward to him being a leader. Yes, another one that seems like a really just great person overall, for sure. No, you, you got to have character counts. Yes, and it when, does. When you're trying to, to change a culture, so to speak, and we've heard that term a lot, mm -hmm. it, it takes people of strong character to change culture. And so I think with the first two picks, they've hit, hit it right home. Totally agree. Home runs coming up on Jaguars Happy Hour. Outside linebackers coach Bill Shuey joins the program. Stay with us here on the Jaguars Digital Network.
A live look at the new football facility it is crazy how much this has changed. Even in a week, I swear I leave the building every day and, and something else is going up. This is moving really quickly and everyone is excited, especially coaches and especially this coach, outside linebacker coach Bill Shuey joins us now on Jaguars. Happy hour on 1010XL and Jaguars.com. Coach, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, that football facility. We're excited about that, right? We are. We're very excited about the football facility. You're right. The progress is happening fast, never fast enough, but we're, we are excited. It's good to see uh, good to see the guys out there working. Mm -hmm. So you talk about exciting times. Uh, you come in, you're a new coach in Jacksonville, and you get a couple picks that are pretty high in the draft. <laughs> That's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Must be living right, you know. But, yep. uh, yeah, we're excited. Uh, excited to have the new, new guys come in. You know, obviously you've got a couple weeks here until they can come in. So, uh, but we're looking forward to, to that here in a few weeks, get them on the field and get them acclimated with the team. I think one of the questions that I've gotten asked the most since the draft has happened is, Jeff, where do you see Trevon Walker lining up at? And, and my honest answer is I don't know. And that's my question to you is where do you see him lining up? I mean, you got – Two first-round picks. One of them was a linebacker. The other one played so many different positions. That seems to be the question of the last week. Am I allowed to answer? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no. But uh, as he mentioned, I think he mentioned it, that you know we're going to try to let them settle into one spot. And then from there, obviously, the versatility is, is, is important. It's part of the reason why we drafted them. And, and we're going to try to utilize that to our advantage at, at some point in time. But, uh, you know, early on, we want him to be able to get comfortable mm -hmm. and, and get into one spot. And, and he'll start at outside linebacker, and then we'll move from there. And uh, uh, Coach Caldwell's, you know, he's, he's got a lot of plans as we move forward. But, you know, out of the gate, he'll, he'll be an outside linebacker. Coach Caldwell is very excited about this draft. I talked to him. He was, like, giddy talking about the five picks he got. And you mentioned that outside linebacker. So, say – Trayvon Walker kills it, and he's really good at an outside linebacker. Is that it? Does he stay there and that versatility? We might not see all of it. No, I think at some point in time, uh, again, I don't want to speak for Mike, but <laughs> at some point in time, I, I, I would guess that we're going to use every ounce of versatility that he has. I mean, uh, but, but it's all going to be in due time, and part of that's going to be on him. The faster he gets acclimated, the more we can kind of spread things out for him and, and put him in matchup situations that might be to his advantage. Uh, until then, it's going to come down to the, the, the mental grind of the game and of the position and learning the fundamentals of playing on the edge on a, on a regular basis. And, you know, as, as soon as he can get uh, up to speed on that, the more we can kind of utilize his versatility. The, the draft process is so much more involved than, than what it was 20 years ago to where you have combine interviews, you have players coming into your building to talk to them. And I'm sure that you guys took advantage with both of these opportunities with your two first-round picks. Because when you sit there and you look at what I was talking about before we went to a break, before you came on about character counts, and these two guys, these seem to be two individuals that I'm sure you're looking very much forward to having the ability to coach. Yeah, so uh, they're very – you know, the guy, from what I can – what I know about Devin, which I don't know him as well because uh, Coach Gilbert – He'll, you know, he'll, he's got versatility as well, mm -hmm. and that's going to be a key. We have a bunch of guys on this defense, not just the, not just the two young guys. You know, you think about uh, Smoot, you think about Arden Key, amongst others. But the versatility is going to be interesting for Coach Caldwell, how he's going to move guys around and, and make it hard for offenses tr to try to ID people and, and know who might be coming, who might not be coming, and, and pressure situations and those type of things. But from Trayvon's standpoint, you know, the character was an important thing. 
you know, but there was this this draft was loaded in the edge position. The guys I talked to, there were a lot of really good character guys. I mean, that was something. It was that's part of what I enjoy about making the trip to Indy and talking with the guys. You get to know a bunch of a bunch of the players. You go to pro days and and you you, you kind of you get a relationship started with some guys, and then and then at that point, it may stop, and you might just see them before the game or after a game or whatever it might be. In other cases, like Trayvon, he gets drafted here, and now I get to, you know, uh, get uh, allow that relationship to grow deeper in the trust part. But you want to get started with that as soon as possible. And he seems like a very high character guy, uh, a humble guy, um, confident though, humble but confident, and 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 a guy that it seems really willing and, and eager to get to work. That's a very good balance: humble and confident, not arrogant, right? Exactly. Exactly. No arrogance. Yeah, no you mentioned arrogance. the combine, and it was interesting. General Manager Trent Balky kept mentioning it in his post or his press conferences how the coaches were so involved in this pre-draft process. So, how were you involved besides the combine in all of this? Yeah, they, they, yeah. I, I believe he used the word transparent a lot yes, as well. Yes, very much. You know, and and the process. You had a lot of people involved in the process, and so, uh, you know, I've been I've been coaching for a long time, and you know, I've been blessed to have many years in the NFL. This is my third NFL team, and this this was a very transparent process, and um, you know, it, it was there were many meetings, many conversations, and so you know, I felt involved in the process, and you know, I didn't. It doesn't mean that decisions are always easy. But uh, it was good to see everybody kind of come together on, on, on their thoughts. Didn't mean that it was always, you know, there was, it's good when you have healthy debate sometimes. But then as the, as the process goes on, it's good when everybody, you have healthy debates and then everybody gets on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was good with the procedure here. And Trent led that off with, with Doug and, and Mike. And, you know, I thought it was, very, it was a very good process. There's uh, so many different pieces that, that make a puzzle, and what we're talking about here is the new pieces, but there's p- pieces that are already here, and you've had the opportunity to talk and to work with some of these guys already. Uh, what are some of the impressions that have been made upon you with the guys that are here? Yeah, the, the guys that are here are very eager to get going. You can tell. You know, it's been a couple rough seasons down here, and, and, and it's, it's not something that's kind of swept under the rug. Like, it's out in the open. Guys talk about it. They're using it, I think, as fuel, as motivation. They're open to new ideas. Uh, I think they also understand, like, one of the things we try to get accomplished in the outside back room is we, I'm looking for their ideas. I want their thoughts. I, I want them to challenge some things. You know, trust is earned over time. You know, trust is going to be earned when, when, when they're taught something and they get they, the success shows up on the field based off of those techniques, fundamentals, the scheme. Um, so – that back and forth that we have in the room, you know, these are grown men. They're young men, but they're grown men. It's good to have that dialogue. You know, the, the, the flip side of that is when you're talking a bunch, you know, sometimes the efficiency of the meetings go down because <laughs> you're back and forth a lot. So at the end of the day, there's a chain of command. But uh, I think the dialogue's healthy. I think it's good when they're talking because they're asking questions. And, and you probably know, like, the best defenses that I've ever been around are the ones that are usually most vocal. Mm-hmm. And how important was it for this pre-draft process and this, this draft as a whole to get Josh Allen some help? Yeah, th- well, you can never have enough or m- too many good players. Yep. And, uh, and I think that's what's great, you know, from this draft, adding a guy like Trayvon, we, you know, we'll have an undrafted free agent added to the room. And you already have talented guys like Josh there, and Josh is working hard. Calevon is working hard. You have Jordan in there and then Jameer. In the outside back room, we've had Smoot moving around a little bit, Arden Key moving around. You got guys been moving around, so all that stuff is good. Um, and and iron sharpens iron. 
and the more the more you can create competition within within your own building whether it's whether it's in posi by position group within the position group from position group to position group within the defense between the offense and the defense as long as everybody's moving in the same direction i think it's a positive uh, talk about the the relationship that you have with doug peterson there's a little familiarity going back a few years isn't there yes yeah, so you know it's uh, I was a young intern when Doug was signed by Philadelphia. So I started I, my first internship in, in Philly was in 1999. So um, I interned. Doug was was the quarterback there, which he probably doesn't remember me at that time. But I remember him coming <laughs> in. And then and then, you know, I, I I I was afforded some opportunities. I worked hard. I afforded some opportunities by Coach Reed in Philadelphia to stay there for 10 years. And uh, through that through those 10 years, I had a couple different jobs and moved around and just continued to work, work with some really, really good coaches, learned a lot. One was Mike Caldwell. Mm -hmm. um, but, but Doug also was one of those coaches that came in after he retired, went into you know, coaching, and then got into the NFL. And so Doug was, uh, Doug was coaching on offense when I was coaching on defense there for a couple years, and we overlapped. It's funny, everyone says, when, when he first got hired, everyone's like, you're going to love this guy. He's such a good guy. But he, he really is a breath of fresh air in this building, and everyone says how relatable he is. And it's funny, I was walking down the hallway the other day, and he's talking to Brandon Sheriff about turkey hunting. And it's just like, he's just such a normal person who's just a really good football coach, it seems. Well, it's, it's, it's great to be a good football coach. It's important to have good people around, and that's yeah. part of the culture. And that was part of the high character guys that we drafted. And you and you hear those themes and they just it's the world is round and it's it's cyclical and, and good people, good coaches, you know, good players, hopefully good results. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's the thought process with a lot of hard work in between. And and some of that back and forth that we talked about yeah, too, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, but you gotta be able to you gotta be able to stretch and pull and and grind and sweat and all that other stuff that you know goes into being a good football team. Yeah. Okay, so uh, iron sharpens iron, but uh, boy, the weather certainly does uh, make it feel a lot better <laughs> when you're doing all of that. So uh, last year you were in Chicago, right, as a coach, yeah, yes. and uh, now you got your family down here in Florida and Jacksonville. They got to be loving it. Yeah, yeah obviously uh, the weather's great. And the one thing uh, Coach Townsend and I, who were in Chicago last year, as well as uh, Chris Jackson, was in was in Chicago and Coach Townsend and I were saying that the one thing we're not going to do this year is complain about the heat. So you can hold me to that. It's <laughs> Just gonna, wait till I'm August. sure. I know <laughs> that's going to be wait. the case. I, I, I know I'm naive by saying that, but but after being in Chicago, and I love Chicago. It's a great city and a great team. Uh, I love the players there and everything. But, great uh, restaurants too, by the way. Great yeah. restaurants, great food, just like Philadelphia, mm -hmm. by the way. And, uh, you know, everything. But we're, we're looking forward. The family is looking forward to a fresh start. I'm looking forward to a fresh start. There's good people down here on the staff, and so um, yeah, we're excited. And the I'm palm trees and the beach always help too. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about that heat thing again about <laughs> I know the you end are. of August. I know it. That's okay. <laughs> it's terrible times. You're gonna hate it. It's so hot. Yeah, it gets hot for a while. Once you get into September, you know you're so used to that fall, that hint of fall. Mm -hmm. It ain't happening yeah. in September. That's <laughs> no, really not. About October, it's going to happen. All right. Well, we that's all good. get that's through it together. Yes, we make it work somehow, right. some way. Coach Dewey, thank you so much for joining us on Jaguars Happy Hour. No problem. Thanks for having thank me. It's nice, nice to be here. Absolutely. Much more to come here on the Jaguars Digital Network. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as head coach Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. 
To lock in your seats, visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. The front office, you know, the coaches kind of wanted to keep, you know, some of the staples around just to kind of build around and kind of, you know, started, started to form that, what we, what we want to ultimately get done here. So, um, I mean, I think it's just a great thing that's keeping guys around that we brought in, kind of homegrown, um, myself, Josh, and uh, whoever else we decided to keep around. Left tackle Cam Robinson, a very happy guy this week, getting a contract extension, very well earned. Welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL and Jaguars.com. Ashlyn Sullivan and Jeff Logman here with you this week. J.P. Shatterk on a much-earned vacation, and Cam Robinson, big news, Jeff. We saw this coming. It was a work in progress, and we were wondering, okay, what's taking so long? When's it going to happen? Finally happened. You have your guy. You're set, and now there's some key pieces on the offensive line you feel pretty good about. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people were – kind of curious as to what would happen with Cam and would that impact what the Jaguars do with that first overall yeah. pick. And and so uh, I said this a couple weeks ago that the, the starting point for Cam had to be the franchise number this year plus what the expected increase was going to be with the franchise tag na- next year. That's kind of where you were starting at from a guaranteed money standpoint. And, and I think it's a fair deal for both sides when I say that that uh, many people were expecting the market to climb much higher for left tackles this offseason, but it really didn't. Yeah. Uh, with the Armstead deal not being as lucrative, uh, I think that that brought some of the reality down for the Cam Robinson contract, and I think it's a good contract for the team. Yeah. And uh, it gives them stability as far as, okay, we know who our left tackle now is going to be, and now we have two guys that are going to compete on the right side, and then we'll just figure out how things work out from there. So that's the way you want it, though. The, you know, you keep hearing coaches, including Bill Shuey, who we just had in the seat right here, talk about iron sharpens iron. And that's when you get more competition in the room. It makes everybody better. And so bringing Cam back, even though many people are like, oh, you just move on. You put Walker Little in at mm-hmm. left tackle and go find a right tackle. Well, that's all easier said than done. Sometimes it's better to keep some of the components you got, continue to add to it, allow the competition to work it out. Yeah, and that was a, a point that Doug Peterson made to us at the Combine. And he was like, hey, I get the narrative. And I get the narrative is the Jaguars at times don't keep good players. They train them away or they don't get to that second contract. And he was like, I'm trying to change that narrative. And he talked to us about Cam Robinson and Josh Allen at the Combine. So you're kind of seeing this trend start. Like they're recognizing talent and saying, we got to keep it in this building. Well, and – Cam still has to get better. Yeah. And, I mean, this is not a – I don't think he's a finished product. I think he can still get a lot better. I think his technique and some of his fundamentals need to get better. And I think his new offensive line coach is going to be, I think, a a big help to him because coaching matters and the more disciplined the fundamentals and footwork become – to give you an example, Ashlyn, years ago when – I was playing defensive end and was a young defensive end. I'll never forget going against a, an older Mike Ken of the Atlanta Falcons. And Mike was in year 18 or whatever it was. I mean, it was a lot of one 18, but it might have been. I mean, he was long, you know, long tooth. And, uh, and I just remember looking at the physical abilities of Mike at that time saying, I got him. Yeah. You know, I got him. But Mike was impeccable about – Every step that he took was so disciplined and so where it needed to be that his sets and his fundamentals cut off a lot of possibilities for you as a defensive player. Mm -hmm. 
just because he was on point. Not because he was big, fast, strong, tough, because his fundamentals were there. And I think that that's something that Cam needs to strive to get towards because he has the athletic ability. He has the physical makeup. He's a good run blocker. He's tough as nails. But the fundamentals need to get better for him to take that next step. And I think he can take that next step. Yeah, I think they said that's when he, that's why they franchise tagged him. Is they saw potential and they saw he could get there. So it's definitely interesting. And then they draft Luke Fortner. And it was funny, we had Tyler Shatley on Jaguars drive time a couple weeks ago. And Tyler Shatley and I go to the same gym. So we see each other all the time. And every time I see him, he goes, Ashlyn. You bench press with him and everything? Yeah, yeah we yeah, bench yeah. about the same. Yeah, so I we've really been I training figured, yeah. together. And he tells me <laughs> at the gym, he's like, I'm training because what if a draft pick comes in? And oh, sure he knew enough, it. And sure enough, Luke Fortner comes right on in. So I'm, I'm really curious how that shakes out. I'm pulling from my gym buddy, but Luke Fortner seems to have that upside too. Well, he's first team all SEC mm-hmm. uh, at the powerhouse University of Kentucky. Okay, uh, teammates, uh, former teammates was Josh Allen. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, he's a good football player. I think he's got to work on some things when it comes to getting to that second level. Some of that stuff is not as easy, but a good inline blocker. And uh, I like him. He's got size, but uh, he, he's got a lot to work on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to overcome experience when you're a young player like yeah. that. And Tyler Shatley is a good football Solid. player. He yeah. is a good football player. And he has starting caliber abilities. And uh, he's been around the block. He knows all the tricks of the trade. And, by the way, Ashlyn, you're not bench pressing with him because he's one of the strongest guys that there is in the weight room. He is, Don't uh, underestimate. He is. Yeah, well, he's one of the strongest <laughs> guys. Now, he's you know he's he's big, strong guy. So, uh, so I think it's going to take a little time for Fortner. But, uh, again, that's good for the room. Competition is good. Make everybody better. Yeah, you mentioned competition, and this is a question I had for you um, with Chad Muma. And I was talking to him, and, he, and it really it stood out how intelligent he is and his communication skills. And he brought up so many examples of when he wore the green dot in different situations. In my head when I'm talking to him, I'm like, all right, that's your starter. That's, that's your play caller. And then I was talking to John and Brian. They're like, ah, not so fast. I don't know if he's starting right away. So that's another position group where it's, it's really interesting how this is going to shake out. Yeah, and just to explain the green dot, because some people don't know what that means. In the NFL, a defensive player or an offensive player, if it has a player-to-coach communication set in the helmet, that's what the green dot signifies. So it lets people know that this guy has that communication ability. And so Green Dot typically for on the defensive side of the ball is a linebacker, and he's the guy that's calling plays in front of the huddle. So he's a leader. Yeah. And he can get people lined up. He can handle the added responsibility, and that's what Muma has been in college. He's been a very highly productive player. He's kind of a prototypical linebacker, shoulders square, uh, tough. Uh, When he gets there, he knocks people back. I think that was the one thing that really stood out on film with him is that when he struck people – He's big and strong. Now, yeah. when he's big and strong, he's knocking people back. But he's athletic. He can play uh, multiple downs, I think, in the National Football League. I don't think he's a, a natural blitzer like a, like a Lloyd is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think he's, he can be a three-down linebacker. Uh, where he plays at, I think it's going to be interesting as far as where Oluokon is going to be, yeah. uh, where Lloyd's going to be, where Muma's going to be, because typically you got – Two inside positions, right. okay. You got three guys. Uh, you know, and then the outside guys, we're talking Josh Allen and a Smoot and a Travon Walker. So uh, 
I think it's going to be interesting to, it, to see how they line up. It is. It is. And, and options are a great thing, just well, like we say, the competition. And the, and the other thing, look, if, uh, if, if he's not starting, then he will be a, a significant backup and a contributor on special teams, which is a big part of winning. Absolutely. To getting your special teams better. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of Snoop Connor? This was an, uh, not strong. an interesting pick because they need help. He's strong. Back. That's the, you know, he's a guy that doesn't put it this way. When he gets into the open field, or he sees a, you know, or you see him get in the open field, what we perceive as the open field. And right there, we just saw where he made a, a defender number eleven miss. He doesn't do that a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, he is just a power guy. And what I love most about watching him is that when you hand him the ball and you need a yard or two, he's going to get you a yard or two. He, and he's a very strong finisher at the goal line, very strong finisher in short yardage. And you have two running backs already in the room that are really good or expected to be good because ETN still hasn't proven it at the National Football League level because he missed the entirety of his rookie year. We know J-Rob can do it, but both of these guys are coming off significant injuries. Yeah. So how is that going to affect them this year? So adding to that room, I think, was was going to happen. I didn't know how it would happen. Would it happen as a draft pick or an undrafted free agent? Right. Uh, but I'm glad they added to it. And this is a guy that doesn't have a lot of miles. Okay, mileage matters when it comes to running <laughs> yeah. backs. You don't want to have a guy that, uh, that has 100,000 miles on the odometer. No. And hasn't had the old changes and uh, all the upgrades throughout uh, his existence. And he's getting to you like damaged goods. Yeah. This is a guy that uh, was in a rotation and he's going to be fresh and ready to go. Yeah, just like my car, just like my Jeep. I don't take it in for oil changes. My dad gets so mad. He's like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's been 5,000 miles. You don't want that guy. No, you don't want that guy. No. And and uh, and he's a physical back. And, and one thing... You always look at a lot of these young players that come out of college and they come into the National Football League, and you say, okay, now they're playing with grown men. I'll I'll never forget when I made the jump from college to pros, and the biggest thing that I noticed was we had some guys that were big physically in college at Virginia, and then you go to the locker room in the National Football League or any locker room, and you go, oh, my God. I mean, the, like the the best of the best that you had in college are now everywhere yep. in your locker room in the National them. Football yeah. League. And so you expect guys to take some time to develop, continue to develop physically. Okay, this young man, Connor, is walking in the building and guys are going to go, oh, yeah, he's ready to go. Yeah. Physically. Oh, yeah. He's, That's great he's, to hear. He's ready to go. Exciting draft, five out of seven defense, but some key contributions on offense as well when we come back on Jaguars. Happy hour around the NFL, lots to talk about, a lot of drama going on this week. We'll be back. One of, one of my first um, meetings really was uh, with, with our, our London team and and uh, meeting meeting all the all the folks that are involved with the trip, and so we we have our our, our plan in place, and and we're we're ready for, you know, for our, for the trip, um, and obviously the game October 30th, and so you know it's something you do have to spend some time and think about the travel and, and getting all your guys and gear and equipment and the technology over there, um, you know, as an organization, and and uh, you got to do it early, and so we've done that, we put our plan in place, and uh, we're just kind of waiting on the uh, the week to get here. 
Head coach Doug Peterson discussing the big news this week. The Jaguars will play the Broncos in London this season. Coming up October 30th, Halloween weekend in London. Very cool. Welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL and Jaguars.com. Ashlyn Sullivan and Jeff Lagerman here with you this week. This is going to be a really cool game. Russell Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence. Talk about incredible competition for Trevor. Well, first of all, uh, Trevor had great success there last year. Yeah, he did. You know, big win and beating the Miami Dolphins and the first rookie to ever win over in, in uh, London. So uh, I, I think that this is a football team in the Jaguars that organizationally has the experience of going over there, and that helps a lot. For for the Denver Broncos, this is going to be uh, a little new because I think – is this the first this time? This is their first time. Yeah, this is their yeah. first time And that's a real advantage. Yeah. I, I think that this year, after the completion of this year, with all the games that will be over in Europe, that every team in the league will have been to Europe. Yes. At, at some point mm-hmm. after this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first game of the year, I think, what is Tampa and Seattle. Yep. And that's in Germany, I guess. And that's going to be a 9.30 game Craziness. East Coast. That's a 6.30 game in Seattle. I can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So it's uh, – and, and I like the 9.30 start. Which Love it. I wish every yeah. week was 9.30 start. Yeah. So I like the morning football games. I don't know if I'd like the 6.30 a.m. games that's for the Seattle story. Seahawks yeah. fans. But I think it's a great matchup because the Denver Broncos – I mean, the – the way you look at the Denver Broncos now with them having Russell Wilson has completely changed. Now you look at them as a contender. Yeah, no, you do. I mean, you it's really been a do. crazy offseason for them, yeah. So I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be uh, – and hopefully Trevor takes a big jump this year because you're going to have to play well at the quarterback position to be able to have a chance to beat a Russell Wilson-led football team because he's that good. Yeah, not to mention he has Nathaniel Hackett, who we're very familiar with. And he's a whack job. Yeah, and he's so. I was talking to the Broncos broadcast department this morning. We did a podcast about this London game, and I was like, "How much do you love him?" And they're like, "Don't even get me started. Like, you one guys the, are gonna love working with him." One of the greatest film room segments that uh, that I've ever had the opportunity to be a part of was with Nathaniel Hackett when we did the uh, I think it was the RPO stuff, the read option stuff. Yep. And he took us on the grease board on all the things that can happen and the abilities that you can have with the with that stuff. And uh, and it was awesome. And I, I learned so much from him. And if he if he has and that's the thing I think that's very unique about Nathaniel Hackett is that he's got a very unique ability to teach. Yeah. And a very easy way of, of making things understandable, which is all about coaching. Uh, that's what you're trying to do is get players to understand what you're trying to accomplish. And so I think he'll be very successful. I think Russell Wilson, and from what I've read, Russell Wilson loves him. Yeah. And uh, so looking forward to seeing him there and uh, looking forward to the matchup because I think it's a really good matchup, especially for uh, for the people and the fans over there in London. Yeah, it's um, they were doing a social media segment with Nathaniel Hack, and you mentioned how good he is about being on the film room and everything. And they got going on him explaining a play. And I swear – because I watch your film rooms, and they're fantastic, and I learn a lot. He was seriously speaking another language. He is. I did uh, not know what he was saying. He's like a, a wind-up toy. He's, he's, <laughs> he as, gets as going. A, as a broadcaster, because you know, you'll always want to ask the right question. And with, uh, with Nate, it's very rare that you don't ask the right question. Mm-hmm. Because he just, he's, got a, he's got a gift. And, uh, and it's fun to listen to. And, you know, he's a, he comes from a football family. Yeah. Uh, he football has been his life, and uh, and one of the most disappointing moments I ever 
had here was when uh, when Doug Marone fired him as the offensive coordinator. I was like, oh, come on, I Doug. Know. Come on. It's not Just his for fault. us, keep him. Come yeah. on. I know. You know, so, uh, tough, so yeah, I like, tough I like Hackett. Yes, like very that. much so. Let's go around the NFL. A lot going on this week, that's for sure. I want to start with something I saw on Twitter that absolutely cracked me up yesterday. A fan put out about Trevor Lawrence and improving his play, and they said, man, what if he's got this jump pass next season like Patrick Mahomes? Taylor Lewan retweets this, who is with the Titans, as announces, I sure as hell hope not. Well, Taylor Lewan is uh, is quite the personality. He's the best, too. They, they, um... What, what's the podcast stuff that he does? Oh, it's something with the uh, – what's it called? It's with the, he's, They're in a bus. They, Joe, help me out. I yeah, can't they, they have a couple different guys. Bussing with the boys. Bussing with the boys. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, and it does a good job. And so, anyway, it's a great response, uh, you know, because uh, somebody wrote that and he responds to it because, obviously, the Titans being in the division. So, yeah, he's uh, a – Sure he, hope not. <laughs> he, he is – when you watch Taylor Lewan play football on game day – he is so overly dramatic. Yes. It's unbelievable. And that's why he has a podcast. And so, I mean, he's a natural fit for getting in front of a microphone or in front <laughs> of a TV camera. I mean, that's uh, he's going to have an easy second career, I can tell you that. Yes, and let's stick with the Titans because I'm part of the problem because I put this in the rundown and I have to talk about it and we have to talk about it. But I saw it at first, what happened with Ryan Tannehill, and I'm sure if you do not know, he was talking about coaching up his rookie quarterback, and he said, that's not my job to coach him up. We're fighting for a job here, and I'm not here to mentor young quarterback. I'm here to be the starter for the Titans. Huge backlash. Mm -hmm. Like, is all of a sudden the worst guy in the world. I kind of agree with him. But now I'm like, oh, it's, it's not a big deal. Like, why are people making such a big deal out of this? And now we're talking about it on this show. So I'm part of the problem. Well, Ryan Tannehill is right. It's not the starting quarterback's job to mentor. That's why they pay coaches. And is it the starting quarterback's job to be a good teammate? Yes. And will you help if asked? Absolutely. But I understand his response. And his response, if you if you would if he could have said it a different way, he could have probably went would have went ahead and said, "Hey, look, the first job that I need to worry about is getting myself ready to play." Because that's my responsibility. I get paid to be the starting quarterback. I need to get ready to be the starting quarterback. If I can help him along the way while I'm doing all of that in preparation for my responsibility, then great. I mean, it's a way you answer it. I mean, he's, Ryan Tannehill's not a bad guy. No. He's, he's not trying to. <laughs> but on, if on Twitter he is, well, he's, my gosh. He's not trying to shun a draft pick just because he <laughs> plays the same position of him and he's worried about this young quarterback coming in and taking his job. Yeah. That's not what the response was all about. I think one of the more interesting things that Ryan, Hill, Ryan Tannehill said as, in part of this press conference was that he had to get psychological help from the playoff loss that they experienced last year against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. That's a hard admit right there. It really is. And for man, it was a tough loss. starting quarterback in the National Football League to be so forthright and to say, hey, look, I had a really hard time. I was in a dark place. I needed to get help to help get over that loss that we had. And I think he had three interceptions in that game or yep. something yeah. like that. And the Tennessee Titans yeah. ended up losing that football game. And how he talked about how he needed help. And then couple that with the loss of A.J. Brown, his wide receiver, to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then he talks also about that and how it impacted him. I mean, it's, you know, look – I think the one thing I think that 
a lot of fans expect out of NFL players is they expect them to be superhuman. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he should always help out the young player. He should always be a good teammate. Well, he is a good teammate. No, nobody's ever said anything bad about Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, ever. He's been a great teammate. And we also expect players, oh, he's tough. Toughen up, you know, cupcake. You know, take, you know, move forward and get better. Well, I mean, look, he lost a football game, and a lot of it was in part to his performance. And yeah, that's a hard thing to really kind of bounce hard. back from. So I give Ryan Tannehill a lot of credit yeah, for, for being so honest. And, uh, and I know that the Tennessee Titans had some discussions about possibly replacing him this year. I root for Tannehill on game days that they're not playing the Jaguars because I, I like how he handles his business. I always have. Uh, he's been a, a, a really good pro, and, and I think he's the, the type of quarterback that you want to see win. Yeah, totally agree. He's gone through a lot in his career, a lot of stops along the way, and, and kind of the ultimate success story, making it to the Titans and now having so much success. Because there were times growing up in South Florida with the Dolphins, I was like, this guy is never going to make mm-hmm. it. And now look at him now. Yeah, that's a, I, I like him. Uh, I, I think that, put it this way, if I'm John Robinson, who's the general manager of the Tennessee Titans, I like my quarterback, Brian Tannehill. I don't love him. Yeah. I like him, and I love him personally. But professionally, I still want to find a way to find a franchise guy. Yeah, I get that. I mean, he's not the Mahomes. He's not the guy that's going to play for another 10 years. But you still got to appreciate what he is and what he does for your franchise. But at the end of the day, as a general manager, you're tasked with finding a franchise-type solution. And Ryan Tannehill, in my opinion, is not that, but I appreciate it. Yeah, probably another, what, two years, and then you go and try to find the next step. Shoot, you, you're looking right now. Right now? I mean, that's, yeah, you, you're oh, always Ryan. looking. That's You never stop looking. Now, you might not expend the resources right now as far as the high-end resources, yeah. but you're you're looking right now. Mm-hmm. Put it this way, the draft pick that they have as a quarterback they didn't draft him with the expectation, well, you know, he's just going to be a backup practice squad Just a guy. guy, yeah. You know, they, they look, hey, look, he's got a chance, and hopefully he can develop and be a franchise guy and replace Ryan Tannehill. Yep, one day. Speaking of quarterbacks, this is craziness. Where the heck is Baker Mayfield going to play this year? Great question. <laughs> I, uh, I still believe that uh, Seattle would be a great place for him to end up. Uh Seattle's system has always kind of been built around the foundation of a running game. And I think that Baker Mayfield is that type of quarterback. And I, that's not to, to, to criticize him, but it's to be realistic. Yeah. And that what, you know, and, and the other thing too, Baker Mayfield last year, what I love about him, he played hurt the entire year. And toughness and availability are always two traits at the quarterback position that you want to have. And uh, Seattle has a need. Uh, they currently have um, one quarterback under contract, Geno Smith, for I think with incentives somewhere around $7 million, which is not that cost prohibited to keep you from going out and getting a Baker Mayfield. So yeah. I think Baker Mayfield would be a great guy to put into that Seattle system until – they can find maybe their guy, and maybe Baker Mayfield does or can develop into that guy. I don't know that. But I wouldn't be happy if I was Seattle with where I'm at right now. No, it's not good enough. You need another no. guy. Um, Carolina's got a draft pick. They got Sam Darnold, who they gave up draft picks for last year yeah. and probably regret it right now. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that would happen because you're, you're 
Sam Darnold has guaranteed money for this year. Yeah. You can't let him go. If you do, you still got to pay him. So it, uh, the reality is that Seattle's not going to trade for him. No. They're probably just letting him sit. Yeah. Keep so, on sitting. So maybe Seattle just says, hey, look, we'll, we'll just be patient and we'll wait until we can just get him for free. That kind of seems what it – because there was a lot of talk, especially early on in the draft, thinking, is this the week? And then everything kind of settled. When I, say, when I say free, I mean not like free, like they're not going to pay Not him. like a Wendy's chicken. They don't yeah. want to give up draft picks yeah. to get them. I get that. So, yeah. And then the Browns are a whole other story. Whew. Yeah, I, I, that's a – It's weird. <laughs> it's yeah, really Yeah, the Deshaun odd. Watson thing. Good luck predicting that. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. But, you know, here, here's one thing to consider too, though. The, the way the NFL has instituted the, um, uh, what's the word, the punishment system. Yeah. It's changed in recent years. So the person that determines what the punishment is going to be is a person that now is jointly paid by the NFL Players Association and the NFL. What a coincidence. So uh, where in the past it's kind of been all commissioner-based. Yeah. So now that person is uh, – what's the right way to say it less more or less inclined to be as harsh maybe per se just because half of that check's coming from the nflpa maybe but i think that's going to be an interesting watch what happens there and then the commissioner does have the ability to modify what that person decides uh it's kind of a tricky language i was reading about that just recently and i'm confused just listening to it yeah. yeah It'll be an interesting watch. We'll just say it, put it that way. For Deshaun Watson, is he going to play this year? Is he going to be suspended? How is the fan? Are they going to embrace him in Cleveland? I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to play. I don't know. I know. It's going to be crazy. It's really And weird. here's the thing. When he goes to other cities, they're going to have chance. Oh, yeah. Come, Not come, good ones. Come get a massage, yeah. Deshaun. You think that Jackville is crazy? Just buckle up for that. Wait till he has to go to Philly. Oh, God. I'm scared for him. Thank you for tuning in to Jack Horse Happy Hour. Jeff Loggeman and Ashlyn Sullivan here with you. Stay with us on 1010XL. Thank you for tuning in to Jaguars.com. Not as busy of a week as Jaguars.com as it was last week, but we're hanging in there. So stay with us the rest of the offseason. Rookie minicamp next week. We'll have all your coverage. Stay with us for next week.